0: Excuse me, looking forward to uh, jumping into Jeremiah chapter 31. And I know I've been going a little bit more slowly in this chapter, but it's just a great place to slow down and enjoy the scenery. And that's exactly what we've been doing. We talked a little bit yesterday about God redeeming us, being a ransom, God giving himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I love that verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2. But uh, I want I want to point out verse number 12 to begin today. So Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 12, the Bible says, "Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion." So Zion refers metaphorically to Jerusalem itself, sometimes to heaven, but to mostly to Jerusalem. Technically, Zion is one of the hills of Jerusalem. So if you were to go to Jerusalem, I could take you and show you Mount Scopus. Uh, I could take you along that same ridge and show you Mount of Olives. And even along that same ridge, the Mount of Corruption. We could look across the Kidron Valley. We could see Mount Moriah. We could talk about Mount Zion there to the left. So Zion was an actual hill that comprised part of Jerusalem, but a lot of times referred to the whole of Jerusalem. And that's the point here. uh, We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Sometimes we sing that song. You're going to have that tune in your head today, won't you? But verse number 12, therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion. In other words, up on top of of the mountain and shall flow together and I love this imagery. They shall flow together like all the people. Remember, we are talking about the, the time when Israel will be restored and the mountains of Samaria will bloom again with produce and people will be at peace and God's people will be one. And they'll come at the worship times to Jerusalem, to the very presence of God, not in some Altar behind some veil, but the veil is lifted, and Jesus Himself is there, and we can come and worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the Bible says that coming with singing and praising, verse number twelve, and flowing together to the goodness of the Lord. I love that flowing together to the goodness of the Lord. What 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 are, what are we flowing to? God's goodness, God God's goodness, and giving the people a second chance. God's goodness in reestablishing Jerusalem as a center place, God's goodness in coming and dwelling among men in human form in the person of Jesus, God's goodness in bringing peace to the world after Antichrist has wreaked havoc for these years, God's peace in providing salvation and continuity for a thousand years in the reign to come, God's peace in banishing Satan for this season, uh, for these, for this period of time. I mean, God's goodness, God's goodness. We'll flow together to the goodness of God. Then the Bible says, for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd and their soul, I love the metaphor, their soul shall be as a watered garden. Their soul, their soul, that's that's the essence of you. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. It's the real you shall be as a watered garden. I don't know that I could come up with a better image than that. Think about a watered garden. I think about a flower garden, how beautiful that is. We used to go to the Phipps Conservatory uh, back in Pittsburgh, just a beautiful place with all the plants and the flowers. I mean, it's just, it takes you away from the world. It gets you in a peaceful state of mind, the beauty of it, the smell of it, all of it. But then think about a well-watered garden of produce fruits and vegetables and and just the the life uh, a well-watered garden speaks to to life and growth and fruitfulness the bible says that's going to be your soul as you realize that you're in the very presence of god the very absence of sin the unity of the brethren it will be a wonderful day uh, your soul will be like a well-watered a well-watered garden, and the Bible says, and they shall not sorrow anymore. And I love the rest of the verse. They shall not sorrow anymore at all, at all. No more sorrow. What kind of world will that be? No more sorrow. No death, no dying, no sickness, no pain, no enemy, no fear, no sorrow. There would be this wonderful existence as King Jesus rules and reigns. Well, what a day. That's not to say that, that, that death will not come because at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ, Satan will be loosed for a season and there will be an army that will attack the Lord again. That's almost unthinkable, but that will be a final Battle and a final defeat of Satan and a, a forever banishment, and then the final judgment at the great white throne. And but then the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, and there is a permanent place of no sorrow and the wiping of tears and eternal bliss and forever with the Lord. So, this is but a harbinger, even here in verse number a 12, of that grand eternity future of which all of God's children will have a part. Look at verse number 13. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance. Have you ever seen, and by the way, this is not talking about the some kind of a sensual dance. The, the point here is, that in Jewish culture, they're, they're singing and dancing. If you've ever been to Jerusalem and seen the way by which uh, they come up to celebrate the bar mitzvahs of these boys and the, the dancing and the jumping and the singing and the festivity, that's the point. So the Bible says that they shall rejoice in the dance, both young men and all, and old together. So this blessing will be to all generations young and old, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. God's going to do this. Did you see that? God is the one that turns sorrow into joy. God's the one that brings comfort from mourning. God's the one that affects this and makes this happen, both by what he does, both by the peace he provides, the goodness that he extends, the the Savior that he sends to us, who he is, the person who he is, but God, God is the source. Uh, Our joy is in the Lord. Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of having the Lord, of being the Lord's, is a strength to us. Isn't that what Nehemiah said? Look at verse number 14, and I will satiate. I like the word satiate. It means to satisfy with a real and complete satisfaction that I will satiate the soul of the priests with fatness. So how do the priests, how are the priests blessed in the economy of God? Well, how did God set up the economy whereby priests could be physically blessed with fatness, the fatness of the provision of of the sacrifices and, and so forth, how are priests blessed? By the giving of the people. So there's going to be a a spirit of giving, a spirit, a spirit of participation, so that those that, that are the priests that stand before the Lord and represent the Lord and lead in worship will be blessed because they will partake in the blessing of the people of God. So God blesses the people with produce. He blesses the people with gifts. They bless the priests with these gifts. They bless the Lord with their sacrifices. It's like this grand system where everybody is serving everybody, and everyone is blessed by everybody, and all of it is initiated by the Lord. Verse number fourteen: And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. My people shall be satisfied with my goodness saith the Lord. That's the key to blessing. That's the key to blessing in the future. That has always been the key to blessing. And that is the key to blessing today, to be satisfied with his goodness. I think the apostle Paul touched on that in first Timothy chapter six, when he talked about, we can't control always our station in life. In 1 Timothy 6, he was talking to people, some of whom were masters, some of whom were slaves. They had been saved during this time of the Romans when one out of every five people that were lived on planet Earth were slaves. And and Paul said, you can't always change your station in life. You can't always change or manipulate how much stuff you have in life, but you can be content with what God has given you. And so here, God just told us it's going to be a time of lushness, a time where the soul will be like a well-watered garden, a time of fatness, a time of great blessing, a time to rejoice and be satisfied in the goodness of God. Now, why doesn't it say be satisfied in the good things God gives or to be satisfied in the stuff I have or the food that's plentiful or the people that are at peace with me? No, it's not to be satisfied with the things God has given, but to look at the things God has given as a means by which to be satisfied in the giver himself. Isn't that important? So here at the time of this, uh, of this uh, podcast, it's we're right at Thanksgiving. And I, when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about thanks, period, giving, period. Because our gracious, uh, our heart of gratitude ought to produce in us an attitude of of giving and sharing and loving and certainly giving praise to the Lord. So the point here is that God says we ought to be, it ought to be enough that God has given us. All of the blessings of life ought to point us to the goodness of the giver. The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The unchanging God. We began the chapter with this thought: from old, from everlasting, the everlasting love of God, the loving kindness that that the never failing, unending love of God, with which He has drawn us back to Himself. That ought to be enough for us to say, God, I am satisfied in Your goodness. It is enough. What you have given me, and honestly, even over and above what I ever could have asked or thought. That's the point in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 14. Uh, I think we're gonna stop there. We're gonna jump into a section in which the Lord uses some great poetry, refers to an Old Testament character long before Jeremiah, and we'll come to that next episode. For now, I'll let you go. I know you've got a lot to do today. And so be safe and enjoy your, uh, your day serving the Lord. And we'll see you next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.